Folks, we're going to look at John chapter 20 here in a moment, and we're going to look at a passage that talks about the risen Christ, the risen one. And, you know, I was thinking this week as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about really trying to communicate to you the reality of Jesus. Now, why, why was I wanting to do that? Well, you know, it's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus arose from the dead. And, and the reality is that when you think about where we're at, it, it's really easy for us to yeah, know that we're a Christian and know that we believe, but we kind of go throughout our lives not really thinking about the reality of Christ and that he's real and that he wants to interact with you. We have our set of beliefs. We show up on Sunday. We worship. We pray. We'll celebrate Easter later. Though some of you are going to be enjoying hams, some of you are going to be enjoying chocolate eggs and chocolate bunnies, and wishing that the diet will start tomorrow, or postponing it if you're on it right now. But the reality is, is that what we're celebrating is supposed to be something that we celebrate every Sunday. In fact, that's why the church meets on Sunday. The church meets on Sunday because it's a celebration of the fact that Jesus Christ arose from the dead. And, and the reality is that you and I need to grasp the reality that Jesus is real. And he wants to interact in your life, especially in your life, because he knows what you're going through. Because our world and our lives are filled with darkness. What do you mean by darkness? Well, you face difficult situations. Things don't go the way that you want them to go. Relationships do face stresses. Work doesn't always go wonderful. Bills show up. Sickness happens. And you wonder, how are you going to get through it? How are you going to face that? How are you going to deal with the stuff that you're facing. And you try to go it alone, and yes, you can for a moment, but then there's always something that arises that really you can't handle. And you're pushed to the stressing point of wondering, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to deal with this? And people will come to you, especially Christian people, will come to you and say, well, you just need to pray about it. Well, I've done all this praying, George. Nothing's changing. And you just need to believe. Well, I believe, but how real is it? And, and it, really, all of that reveals to us that we're, we're, we're not grasping something. We're not grasping that our Christian faith is not just a service to attend. Do you, do you understand? Jesus didn't die on a cross and raise from the dead so you could come and celebrate on Sunday morning. Christianity is something so much more. Christianity is the possibility now, because of Jesus, you having a relationship with God where he interacts with you. And he is concerned for you. And the passage that we're going to look at is going to address that. We're going to look at the darkness that they find themselves in. And believe me, folks, they're in some major darkness. We're going to see that Jesus appears to them, and he changes them. But he's also going to address something that nags a lot of us. That's called doubts. 
Because it's one thing to believe, but it's another thing to see for yourself. And we're going to see this all in this one passage. So I want you to notice with me, we're in John chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 19 through 29. So I want you to look with me as we look at what the apostle writes concerning that resurrection day, that Easter so long ago. Then at the same day, at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And he said to them, Again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, it will be forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, it, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, stood in their midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, look at my hands, reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this portion of Scripture, and we're, again, we're going to divide it into three sections. First of all, we're going to see fear to understand what's going on with the whole resurrection morning and what's going on with the disciples. It wasn't a day that started out in joy for them. It would end in joy, but it didn't start out that way. They're actually governed by fear. We're going to see that. Then we're going to see Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and then we're going to see doubts. Because they had doubts. In fact, I'll be honest with you, the scriptures records in the book of Acts that even up until the time Jesus ascended, even though they had been with him and seen him and touched him, they still doubted. So we're going to talk about doubts. Okay, because that's real. Even on an Easter day, you might be here today and you're like, I'm here because my mama brought me here or I'm here because of my relative or I'm here because of this, that or another. I understand that and you are wrestling with, do you really believe? Do you really want to believe? We're going to talk about that. So let's look first of all at the issue of fear. Look at what it says, verse 19. Then on the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, of course it's Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, when the doors were shut, 
where the disciples were assembled. So they're in a place, they're meeting, and the doors are shut. The implication is, is that the doors are locked. Why? Because they're afraid. What are they afraid of? It says... The Jews. Now, what Jews? Well, because they're Jewish. What Jews are they talking about? They're afraid of the Jewish leaders. When John refers to the Jews here in his gospel, he's always referring to the leadership. Why is he? Af- why are they afraid of the leaders? Because they were the disciples of Jesus. And remember, what did they just do to Jesus? They crucified him. They killed him. And so they're thinking they're coming after, going to be coming after them, his disciples. And so they're afraid. And they're marked by fear. Here's two things I want you to see. I think we can relate to them. Number one, their hopes and dreams were crushed. Their hopes and dreams were crushed. These folks who were there in that upper room, who had been hiding from the Jews, if you remind yourselves, these were the folks who for three years gave up their livelihoods. They left their fishing boats. They left the tax collector booths that they were in. They left their lives to follow one man, Jesus. Why? Because they believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of their hopes, that Jesus was going to come and establish the kingdom again. And in their mind, Jesus was going to throw the Romans out, and they were going, they basically gave up everything to follow him. And so now here's this guy that they were following. He's dead. He's been crucified. And their dreams and their hopes are crushed. Do you understand that? You guys ever have dreams? You ever have hopes of accomplishing things? If you're in your 40s and 50s, you kind of know what I'm talking about. That's what midlife crisis is, isn't it? You had dreams when you were in your 20s. Then you hit your 40s and 50s, and it's like, I didn't do anything that I hoped to do. And you're devastated. And your family is like, can you get over it? What's going on? Your hopes and dreams are crushed. We can understand that. They're in this upper room wanting something more and hope for something more, and they just saw it all taken away from them in the most drastic way. Jesus was brutally murdered. So their hopes and dreams were crushed. Here's the second thing. Fear dominated their thinking and their actions. Fear dominated their thinking and their actions. They're afraid. So what do they do? As soon as they get into the place, lock the doors. Be quiet. We don't want to draw attention to ourselves. They killed Jesus, they'll probably kill us. In fact, think about it for a moment. There's one guy, Peter, who probably should be afraid. Why? Because when they came to arrest Jesus, he's the guy that's whacking off somebody else's ear, right? So they're afraid. They're motivated and dominated by fear. You know, it's interesting. I interact with a lot of people during the week. I observe what's going on in our culture and in our world right now. I'm going to tell you one thing that's going on that I think, I think all of us can agree with. We live in a society that's dominated by one thing right now, fear. We're afraid. 
We're afraid of somebody getting a hold of our personal information and all of a sudden I've got this huge bill. I'm afraid of, of this happening. I'm afraid of this happening with my kids. I'm afraid of, I can't even drink coffee anymore because somebody decided that it can give you cancer. Did you see that one? I notice that's not going to change your drinking habits now, is it? Guess, by the way, we haven't put the sign on the coffee in the back that says it'll cause cancer. We live by fear. Fear. And, and, they're re- and it's real. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be afraid of the things that are out there, but the fact of the matter is, is a lot of us are dominated by fear. Churches are dominated by fear. We're afraid of this and we're afraid of that. And that is the world that we live in. We're afraid of the next thing that's going to happen. We're afraid of this. We're afraid of our relationships. We're afraid of of everything. They were dominated by fear. Fear was real to them. Fear is real to us. That's why we see people reacting the way they are. Because they live in fear. That's the world we live in. That was the world that they lived in. But in the midst of that, I want you to notice with me, in the midst of that, verse 19, when the door was shut, here's what it says, Jesus came and stood in their midst. So just all of a sudden, there they are in the room. They're probably talking about what happened. Boom, there's Jesus. And notice the first thing out of his mouth. Peace to you. Kind of makes sense, right? When you get freaked out if you're in a room and you're talking and all of a sudden, boom, there's somebody there just appears that you thought was dead. Jesus, peace to you. He's wanting you and I to have peace. He's wanting the chaos to stop in our lives. And we know it's chaos, right? Because how'd you sleep last night? Some of you, you slept like a rock. Some of you were worried about whatever it is that you're worried about. You were up at two in the morning, mulling it over on the rotisserie of your brain. How do you handle this? How do you deal with that? Your spouse elbowing you, go to bed. You're keeping me up. And you want to, but you're afraid. Jesus breaks through in the midst of that. That's what we're celebrating here, is that Jesus, God, breaks through in the midst of the things that we go through. And here's what I want you to see about him from this passage. First of all, his real presence brings joy in the midst of darkness. It brings joy. Look, he said, look, here's my hands, here's my side. And when they realized it was really him, notice what it says, that they were happy. They were excited. They were filled with joy because Jesus is alive. Hey, let's just be honest. If we were to talk to you, and I'm not talking about being happy, okay? Because happiness, that can depend on how the morning is going, right? Depends on how much coffee you're drinking, I'm not talking about happiness, but I'm going to ask you about joy. Joy is a little bit different. So you can have joy in the midst of the stuff that you're going through. Can I ask you, is your life marked by joy? Is it marked by joy? 
Chances are, for most of us, it isn't. Because even if you're here and you are, quote, a believer, the fact of the matter is, is you can be a believer and not have joy because what you're believing in is, is a set of beliefs, but it hasn't gotten personal with you because you're not interacting with the person who brings you joy. See, Jesus brings you joy. He brings you joy in a real way when you interact with him. And Jesus showed up, and they saw that he was real, and it brought joy to their life. Their hopes came back. His very real presence. You say, wait a minute, George, he's gone now. He went to be with the Father. Yes, but he sent somebody else to take his place. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. And the very real presence of Jesus is with you if you're a believer. And will be real to you. And he will bring joy to your life in the midst of all that's going on. He can bring joy in the midst of your tragedy because you know what? You have Jesus. Sadly, for a lot of us, we don't understand that. His real presence brought joy, brings joy in the midst of darkness. Here's the other thing. He sends out his disciples to share his story. Look at what it says there, verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. See, here's the thing. The resurrection story is not just your story for you to keep to yourself. The reality of Jesus, the Jesus who brings you joy or is supposed to bring you joy, is something that you should be sharing with who? Other people. See, here's the thing. The gospel isn't, do you want to be sure you don't go to hell? The gospel is, do you want to meet the living Jesus Christ who forgives you your sins, who enters into a wonderful relationship with you because he paid the price for you? Do you share that with others because he's real with you? He's real to you. That's what we see here. He sent out his disciples to share the story. But then here's one other thing I want you to see. It's, it's not just that he sends them out. He empowers them. Look at what he says there. I think this is amazing. Verse 22 and verse 23. He said this. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. What's going on here? Well, here's my point. He has empowered his disciples for life. Okay, what am I talking about here? Well, let me just back up. Remember what I said? We live in a real world. And the reality of our real world is is that not everything goes right. The reality of our real world is there is sickness. There is death. Relationships crumble. There is no such thing as job security. I remember, I remember as a 20 year old, remember the 80s? If you're younger than that, if you weren't even born yet, you won't know what I'm talking about. For some of us who are older, do you remember back in the 80s, the big discussion in the politics was job security? Remember that? We got to have job security. You ever notice nobody talks about that anymore? Because there isn't any. There's no such thing. It's a great political topic to run on, but there isn't. 
And that's the world we live in. It's a world of uncertainty, a world of how do we function? Isn't that what we do? We're trying to figure out how to function in this world that we live in with the different things that we're facing. And we're trying to cope. Can I be honest with you? A lot of the things that are going on is just people trying to cope. But Jesus it shows up and he's real and he wants to be real in your life. He wants to bring joy in your life. And as he comes into your life, he empowers you to live life. He empowers you to live life. In fact, I think it's amazing. He transforms our lives because he's able to help us to do one thing that is, can I be honest with you, inhuman. He empowers us to forgive. What do you mean that's inhuman? Well, hey, I think we all understand that. All of us here have pain that we carry because somebody did something to us, right? Somebody hurt us. Somebody did us wrong. And have you noticed that it wasn't really easy to forgive them? In fact... Some of you right now are struggling with forgiving, right? Some of you right now are struggling with being able to turn away from what happened to you. Like, are you serious? Do you really want me to forgive them? I can't do that. I'm not asking you to do that. But Jesus is asking you to do that. And here's the wonderful thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you know him, he says... I give you the Holy Spirit, and if you forgive them, they are forgiven. Basically, he's saying, I give you the power, I give you the strength, I give you the ability to forgive. Now, I understand, now, forgiveness with God isn't forgetting. You're not going to forget what happened. Forgiveness with God is not absolving them from their issue, but forgiveness is removing you from the prison of pain that you're in because of what's happened. See, God gives you the ability to live your life in the midst of all of the things that are happening around you because he's real. And he wants to be real in your life. That's the reality of what's going on here. That's the risen Jesus. See, we're not here just celebrating a belief. We're celebrating somebody who wants to what? Interact in your life on a daily basis as you face the stuff that you're facing. But I think the, it's interesting. The passage just doesn't stop there. The passage actually addresses an issue that's very real with us. Because you might be here and you're saying, okay, hey, that's wonderful, George. Jesus wants to be real with me. Jesus wants to bring joy with me. Jesus is going to give me the power to do all that. But, hey, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure if I buy into that. I'm not sure if he is real. I'm not sure if he is alive. How do we know that he's alive? Even they wrestled with that 2,000 years ago. And, you know, a lot of times Christians give Thomas a hard time. Hey, Thomas is right here in our auditorium. There's lots of Thomases here. Because we're just like him. Wrestling with, is it real? And so I want you to notice a couple of things here. I want you to see. Thomas, 
who was called a twin. Verse 24 says, One of the twelve was not with him that day when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to them, We have seen the Lord. And he said to them, Unless I see the hands, the prints of the nails, and put my finger into his, the print of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. That's real. Here's what I want you to see about doubts. Number one, the story of the resurrected Jesus is not enough for some. You and I need to grasp that. The story of the resurrected Jesus is not enough for some. What do you mean, George? Well, hey, I understand the belief that somebody was raised from the dead, nobody, nothing's ever happened like that before. That just seems so far out there. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. But for some of you, it's kind of like, I don't know that I can grasp that. The belief that he rose from the dead, is that even possible? Well, humanly it's not possible, but it is possible for God. The reality that he just rose from the dead, not just that, but he wants to interact in my life and will continue to interact in my life, is that even possible? The reality is, is that there are some people who are going to struggle. And they're going to struggle for whatever reason, for whatever thing that they're going through. They're not sure if they can believe that. It just doesn't seem real. It just doesn't seem like, you know, I, can, I know that this is a podium. And I know that it's metal, and I can see that it's black, and I know that this is an iPad, and yes, it's working, and it's got 94% power, and I can grasp a hold of that, but you're trying to have me grasp a hold that some guy raised from the dead 2,000 years ago? Doubts are real, right? And that's where Thomas was. I mean, think about it for a moment. He just had, he just followed Jesus. If you read the Gospels, Thomas interacted with Jesus on several different occasions and he believed, he had his hopes, and then they were crushed. They were ripped away from him. And now you're going to come and tell him he's alive? I think we can understand where Thomas is like, oh, 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 wait a minute, guys. Are you sure? that the morning coffee was okay, that you didn't drink some bad wine or something here. Hold on. I mean, unless I see him myself and I can touch him, I'm not grasping that. See, that's. I think we can understand when people wrestle with the reality of Easter. The story of the resurrected Jesus was not enough for some. That's where Thomas was. But I want you to see, Jesus answered the doubts of those who are sincerely seeking. Jesus answers the doubts of those who are sincerely seeking. All right, now let me just stop for a moment. Here's what Jesus did eight days later. Eight days later, wow. He shows up again. Appears in the room. First thing out of his mouth. I'm sure it's still a shock. Boom, there he is. Peace to you. And then he says to Thomas, Thomas, I mean, immediately, that's why he's there. Thomas, put out your hand. Touch my scars. 
Put your hand in my side. See, see where the spear went. And, and notice the scripture doesn't even say that Thomas did that. He immediately responded, my Lord and my God. Why did Jesus do that? Why? He showed up specifically for Thomas. Why? Because he knew that Thomas, even though he was doubting, he was sincerely seeking. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you are sincerely seeking, I mean, I understand there might be some folks here that are wrestling with the whole doubt issue and questioning whether this is real or not, but I'm going to be honest with you. But if you are sincerely seeking after God, if you are sincerely out of your heart wanting to know that he's real and that he wants to interact in your life, if you are sincerely seeking him, I truly believe that the living Jesus will make himself known to you in whatever way. I really believe that. He will open your heart and your mind to truth. And your eyes will be open and you'll see him. Not a physical Jesus, but you will grasp the reality that he's real. And it will be more than just a belief. It will be he is alive and he is wanting to work in my life. But you've got to sincerely seek him. See, I, I think it's okay to say, I don't believe. But here's the thing. The question that you need to wrestle with next is, okay, I understand you don't believe, but do you really want to know? See, how you answer that question really determines a lot because you may not believe, but maybe you don't really care. It's okay to say you don't believe, but you're interested and you want to know that he's real and you want to see him real in your life. Thomas wanted to know for sure. And Jesus showed up. And here's what happens. Thomas responds, my Lord and my God. And look at what it says there, verse 29. This is how Jesus responded back to him. I think this is amazing because this is our final point here. He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus blesses those who have faith in him. He blesses you. How does he bless us? Well, let's go back just a few verses. What? He gives you the Holy Spirit. He empowers you for life. He brings joy to your life in the midst of the darkness you're in. He wants to interact with you. See, that's what we're here celebrating, folks. We're not celebrating a belief. We're not celebrating a, an annual celebration. We're celebrating the reality of Jesus being alive now, wanting to interact in your life. That's what we're celebrating. So let me give you a couple things to think about. Number one, recognize the power that fear has on your life. Some of you, can I be honest with you, are crippled by it. You're so afraid 
of something happening in your marriage. You're so afraid of this happening at work. You're so afraid of this happening in your finances. You're so afraid of this and that and your health. And, and you know you got to go see the doctor because you're not feeling right here. And, and you're just afraid and you're afraid and you're afraid. And, and you may not verbalize it, but it comes out. You know what? We internalize so much, but th- and we think that nobody else knows, but they do know, don't they? It comes out of us comes out in behaviors, comes out in reactions, comes out in anger, comes out in addiction issues. And and part of it is is because we're trying to go it alone. But you weren't meant to go it alone. You weren't created to go it alone. Did you notice that? Most people recognize that we're relational beings because we were created that way. Have you noticed that? I meet very few people who are so totally alone that they have nothing to do with anybody else. In fact, I don't know of any. Maybe they're not married, but they still have friends, right? That's because we're relational people. And ultimately, we were created for a relationship with who? God. And Jesus came to reconcile that relationship by dying on a cross and raising from the dead so that you can have a relationship with God right now where he wants to interact with you. That's what we're celebrating Easter about, and that's what you need to grasp as you're living with this domination of fear in your life. You don't need to be afraid. God is with you. So here's the second thought. The story of the resurrected Jesus requires you to make a choice. The story of the resurrected Jesus requires you to make a choice. You're going to have to make a decision. Maybe you've already made that decision. Wonderful. But you've got to make a decision what you're going to do with Jesus because he is alive. He wants to interact in your life. And Easter, to be honest with you, is not just a celebration, but it's a decision time or a reminder of a decision time where you have to make a decision. What are you going to do with Jesus? Because he is real. He is showing himself real. He will show himself real in your life. What are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with him? Well, you know, George, hey, I understand that, but I've got some doubts. Well, I understand that you got doubts. I don't know if I believe. Well, wonderful. I understand you don't know that you believe, but are you at least seeking? To see if he's real or not? Because if you are, believe me, he'll show himself real to you. It's about making a choice. What are you going to do with Easter? Let me pray for you.